Welcome to the Powering Real Estate Podcast, sessions with top real estate business leaders and their strategies for success. Learn from some of the best in the industry. Join Lee Adkins as he talks to industry leaders on how they built and maintain their real estate business. All right, Ryan Rodenbeck, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So you are the CEO of Spyglass Realty located in Austin, Texas. Why don't you tell me a little bit about uh, the brokerage now as it stands and and how you got here? Sure. So right now we have uh, 72 agents, full-time producing agents. um, And we started the year out with about 42, I believe. So um, have done a a decent amount of growth. Uh, We... Uh, we could have a lot more agents, but we have a quality of standard that we we do our best to to maintain. And um, you know, when I started this company, I actually started Spyglass Realty in two thousand and eight, uh, not to have a brokerage, but to be a solo agent uh, that was a broker. And I had somehow five or six people that stayed, you know, joined me and stayed with me uh, till about two thousand and eleven. Um, and I really didn't promise all that much. I uh, didn't have that much going on. In 2011, I became a top producing agent. Uh, got to be really uh, inept with, uh, you know, internet leads, and uh, had a knack for for bringing in internet leads, converting internet leads. And so, right around 2015 was when I I, I think I, I I like to think of it as starting more of a team than a brokerage, uh, and um, you know, grew that position. And then in about 2017, uh, we had about 12 to 16 agents. I can't remember exactly, but my goal was to be out of production by 2019. And I knew to do that. I had this number in my head of getting to 30 agents. And, um, that's when I really started making it a brokerage. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, that makes sense. I think you were kind of in that hybrid team brokerage type thing for a little while, which I would I'd be curious to hear how you define this, but I would cure, I would define that as you're providing leads as a little bit more of a team, but you're legally a brokerage. Yeah, exactly. At the time, that's what it was. And, you know, there's a lot of brokers out there, brokerages out there that operate under a team model. Um, and the way we differed uh, was that you know, we have a leads product that we let agents tap into. And, you know, if you're, you know, done some business and you, you want to like build up your pipeline, or let's say you moved here from another company, uh, another uh, city, then we can fill that pipeline. And once you're, we're also cultivating their own business and teaching them how and giving them systems on how to become self-sufficient. Because in my opinion, the, the, the flaw with teams is that they don't really have anywhere to graduate from. Now, this isn't universally true, but I can tell you that a lot of my agents that were joining uh, my company in the last couple of years have come from, uh, you know, they were either on a team at a brokerage or they were at a brokerage that operates as a team. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And so if I'm not mistaken, I think your model ultimately, probably partly because of that, right? Room to graduate, path to go on your own, be a solo agent. Becoming an independent agent. Yeah. Yeah. So right now of the 72 agents, we have about 25 that 
are on leads um, and another 45 or so that are completely independent and don't take leads at all. They get to take on the lion's hair, uh, share of the commission. We charge a 90-10 split. We're full service. Um, and then of the 25 we have, currently, I look, just looked at this a couple of days ago, we have 13 of them that are not paused, meaning um, you know, 12 of them are, are, are taking a pause. And so we'll, we'll have that happen a lot is either they're getting too busy with the leads that we have or they're getting busier with their own leads that they bring in. Right. Right. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. But I agree with you having a path for them to graduate, come and go from that program a little bit. Um, it really it really does make perfect sense. How did you come up with that model? Did you kind of stumble into it or was that something you had heard of? Or Yeah, I think I kind of stumbled into it, really. And, um, you know, I I, I didn't we, we did caps for a while and we uh, I realized that we offer a lot of support to our agents and a lot of technology. And with caps, I wasn't going to be able to sustain that. So um, and, and then also, really, I, I wanted agents to become my biggest goal wasn't to make the most money per agent. It was for have the most successful agents. OK, and so uh, I, I didn't want to lose people to brokerages because they became self-sufficient. So when they can you know, graduate from from taking leads, then then I don't have a chance of less of a chance of losing them to another brokerage. Yeah, for sure. No, that, that makes perfect sense. And I think, you know, a lot of boutiques uh, ended up either not being well equipped to handle that. And so they either fell apart or were acquired by someone or um, and I think especially in your market, I think in Austin, it seems like it was uber competitive. And, you know, I don't think there's a whole lot of boutiques, certainly not of your size. It seems like there's some smaller ones or maybe I don't know if there's bigger ones, but what's the landscape like in Austin? So that's a good point was, you know, I think three and a half to four years ago, I had a lot of competition. And um, thanks to my friends at, at Compass and uh, and partly EXP and um, Realty Austin did a big acquisition and uh, Better Homes and Gardens did some acquisitions. And, you know, at the time it was something I was when it first they first started coming around, I started having some fear about this whole disruption model. And uh, in the end, what they ended up doing was absorbing, buying out, uh, or just somehow eliminating my competition. Uh, and right now there are really just a couple of independent brokerages that are on kind of the same level as me. What I mean by that, there's some that are bigger and there's some that are smaller. Uh, uh, but I think I can only think of you know two or three that are the same size that I have, and we're actually as far as our numbers are concerned, volume per agent and volume in general, we're we're, we're doing really well with them. Right. Yeah. No, that's super great. So let's talk a little bit about that scaling up because I've known you long enough to see you come from that you know five six agent model where it was kind of like all right everybody you know let me know how it goes to all right now we're doing this on purpose but now like. Now we're growing on purpose. So like, what does that all look like? Yeah, I got to tell you, the, the, that was really hard for me to wrap my head around because, and I've said this a bunch of times, is, you know, when you, I think you have to make a decision whether you're at some point when you're growing, whether you want to be a team or a brokerage. And what I mean by that is if you are a producing agent and you've got a team, then you're going to cap out in terms of 
mental bandwidth and physical bandwidth at six to eight agents. Okay. Now you can get the 10, but I remember trying to do it all when I was selling one, one year, I was selling 26 million in real estate, had 16 agents and I was just working my ass off and, and one of my, my top agent left, you know? And, um, I remember she said, you know, you say you're always available, but you can look at your face and say that you're not always available. Right. And so what I did from there was, uh, I made the decision that I was going to get out of production and I mean, literally sold the duplex that I owned for the sole purpose of, okay, I don't need, let's, let's just put some money in the bank so that I don't have to worry about producing income. Um, and then, you know, really ramped up to uh, 30 agents at that point. Um, and that was when I said, okay, I, I, I still held on to a couple clients, a few clients that would come literally come to me and I would list your homes, but I had my, at the time, my office manager, who's now my operations manager, she would take those, the, the list, do the lion's share of that. But even with that, even with that time that I was spent on that, I was still having, you know, calls with agents, calls with the client. She's doing a lot of stuff on the back end and some stuff on the front end too. And so last year was my, my first year where I think I sold a couple of homes and was able to really dedicate my attention to growing the business. Yeah, that's great. And so let's talk a little more about that. Is that, how much of that is mindset? How much of that is systems? How much of it is people? Like, what are all the pieces of, of scaling that up? Because I know there's a lot, but. Yeah, um, it's a little bit of all of everything. Mindset is huge because, you know, in this journey, my my wife had told me several times, you know, why don't you just get do a small team? You know, is it worth it? Is it worth it? And and you know, I I, I knew that it was. And I remember being at a strategic meeting with Johnny and Sonny and and talking about going getting to I think with the time we had 16 agents and getting to 30 agents. My wife got just emotional and she's like, you know, really started to, to cry. And she's like, you know, I'm like, well, what's going on? She says, well, you know, you're busy as hell with 15 agents. What are you going to do in 30? It's like, look, here's the deal. I'm, what we're trying to do is scale to freedom. Right. Um, and then, you know, that's the mindset part of it. It's just really knowing what your goal is and that you're going to get there no matter what. Um, the people part is, is huge as well. Um, as you know, Sunny's my operations manager. Uh, she's my right-hand woman. She's been with me for a decade uh, and she's completely amazing. And, you know, this year was another big triumph for me because um, even though she's handling most of the back end, um, you know, I, I still had to keep my eye because of this leads product that we have where we bring in these leads. It's, it requires a lot of, of maintenance and a lot of oversight. So we hired John McCarthy, my sales manager. He came on in, in June and that freed up so much mental space in my head, so much time in my, in my, my schedule that I can really focus on. And when I say came on in June, he'd been with me for years and, you know, quasi sales manager, but like I told him, look, you have to stop doing production, you know, and now he's full-time sales manager, salary plus, you know, bonuses and whatnot. And I mean, things have gone amazing since then. Um, and we've, you know, last couple of months, we've adopted uh, something like the EOS system. If you read uh, uh, Traction and Rocket Fuel, um, it, it's, it does all that, but a little bit more. Um, it does, it's pretty much the exact same thing, really. But yeah, we, we, we've, we've started that and 
Um, we're really dialed in on our meetings now, really getting, we've become so nimble. I've got Kelly uh, Ming as my marketing director. And so, you know, just running this company like a, as if we were a Fortune 500 company. Yeah, that that's great, and and I do I I know what you're saying as far as that last kind of piece of the puzzle with Johnny, and and certainly, you know, being able to to bring an agent up out of production. I mean, on some level, that's really scary, and on another level, it's less scary because they know the culture, they've been there for a long time, they you know they've done it. I think the other agents have seen have seen them do it, right? Like they're like, oh, well, he was good at sales. Maybe we should listen to him instead of some dude you just brought in from outside. Yeah, it was extremely scary for a couple of reasons. One, Johnny was my number one converter of leads, okay? Um, and he actually made more money for me than any other agent because he, um, because he was just, you know, really good at it, right? And it was also scary because not only am I taking my number one converter of leads out, but what if he doesn't work out as a sales manager? You know, um, am I? What am I doing here? Um, but sometimes you kind of got to just trust your gut, and it's worked out amazingly. I mean, it, it, we've, it's just been really good, and he's really taken ownership of that part. And that's the thing with, with when you have a strong leadership team is that everyone knows the part that they play, and you know, they, they own it. And, and that's what makes a successful company in, in my mind. Yeah. I was going to say, I think, you know, operations is such a buzzword in real estate, but sometimes it, it, it tends to mean like everything that's not like selling houses or whatever. And yeah, we've got marketing, we've got all these other things and sales training. And quite frankly, even at a brokerage level, can really be slippery, right? Like at a team level, it's easier to say, oh, we got to have a sales manager. We're taking 50% of your money. It's easier to do that. Whereas I think you've got this really magical model where you've got both because it's not just the leads team. Is it just the leads team that has access to him as a sales manager or is it the no, whole brokerage? The whole brokerage, yeah. yeah. So that's that's perfect. That's a, that's That really is a ma kind of a magical uh, spot, spot for that. So, but- but I guess my, my my primary point in all that was is everybody's just like operations, operations, operations. But let's be real. There's maybe a couple more layers beyond just having an operations person. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's what we figured out is that, you know, you've got sales, you've got marketing, you have operations. OK. And then, I mean, part of our or with our, our EOS stuff that we're doing was, was put an organizational chart and putting these buckets into who exactly owns what part of it. Now, you know, Johnny may do some stuff that Sonny may do, but, but he doesn't own that part and, and vice versa. Right. Um, and then we're also budgeting for future seat, seats, you know, like, we, it, you know, as we grow, Sonny's going to need help. Johnny's going to need help. Right. Where is that that go in an organizational chart and how are we going to make a decision of when that's going to happen? Um, scaling a company is is very hard to do and and you look at it from a from a standpoint of you know like if you look at these like discount brokerages or or, or, or these companies that basically will hire anyone that you know i don't look i personally look down on people that have you know 300 agents but 75 of them are producing that's not the scaling of the company that, that i want to do i want to i want to do the scaling of the company financially your, the, your sales volume and, and we've proved it i mean you know, last year we closed 163 million, um, and 
contracted and closed for the year, we're at 335 million, right? And and that's, you know, we haven't doubled our numbers. So, you know, that shows that we're 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 working on the per agent productivity. And and that's the one thing that we we figured out was like, okay, what is the one thing that we're gonna be good at? Okay. Uh, and I don't know if you've seen like the three circles of like, here's the things that, that, you know, uh, it's from good to great, but they, they have the three, three different circles of, you know, you have your operations, you have sales, you have marketing. And what is the one thing in the middle that all these things inter- intersect that you're going to focus on? And for us, it's productivity per agent. Um, and so what we're drilling down on right now is, is how to really put laser focus on how to be productive per agent. That's great. I mean, it's a simple metric. You can't really argue with it because you've got a, it's, it's simple division, right? It's like, we've got this many agents and they do this many deals. So here's yeah, the number. But, but it's simple, but you have to, you have to obsess about it, you know? And we just, we literally had our, our, our meeting this morning and, you know, where we're putting a committee together of, of different agents in our brokerage, about you know ten or twelve to focus on that. And you're like, well, well I, I I saw didn't we figure that out? It's like, no, we figured out what we want to identify, but like we have to look at that, you know, three, four, five times a year and figure out what that actually means. Well, and I think that that falls into something I'm really passionate about, and it's been fun seeing your journey with this too. Is is you truly being now a leader of that, like your job is not to sell houses. Your job is to serve the agents you have, get more agents and be six months to a year out of what's happening in the company. And there's a lot of people that depend on you now. So like, it's, you know, as, as that ship gets bigger, as a snowball gets bigger, yeah, you know, there's a lot of that. Let's talk a little more about, about your movement into leadership. Yeah, well, you know, I obsess about leadership. I, I love leading people, um, but I mean, obviously, I've made you know a ton of mistakes along the way, um, and, and still continue to make mistakes. Um, you know, for instance, you know, I, there's a lot of different teams and brokerages that are you know really uh, good at, uh, or, or they really try to do this new agent training, right? And you got to figure out what you're good at, and what you're not, like. Quite frankly, we're not good at a brand new agent training. We're just not. And and so, you know, we've, we, we, the last couple of years, we've been like, okay, we're going to hire four to five agents uh, that are brand new a year. And it's without fail, it's a 50% drop-off rate. In fact, it's almost the only people that leave us. We've had two other people leave this year and one, well, both of them moved out of state that, that, that weren't new agents. So, you know, identifying what, what, what your skill set is and then, you know, getting back to like, you know, how that, does that work with leadership? Honestly, you got to have the right people on the bus. You know, um, I could not do this without my, my leadership team. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I could, but I, I, I would be fail miserably. And if one of them left, then it would be a, it would be a real search to find someone that, that is compatible uh, to replace them, you know, and so empowering those people, leadership is is in my opinion is is finding the right people to work with you, and then empowering them to make the right decisions. And including those decisions are, you know, tell me to stop, tell me no, because like I have a tendency to just go, go, go. I want to go to the next thing. I'm literally in the meeting, like you know, hey, okay, we're done with that. And then suddenly he's like, well, hold on, we're not quite done with that. And and I'm like, good. 
thank you because I, I, I that's I would I would have missed that point. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a great point. I'm glad that you said that that way. I, I think, and I know I'm very much the same way. Like tell me, and you, you, if you're going to be a leader, you have to value feedback. You have to let people say, Hey, so-and-so doesn't feel heard or, Hey, you're not following the agenda or, Hey, that's a great idea, but let's talk about it next week or whatever, whatever yeah. technique, you know, needs to be used. But, um, but, but I, I really love that for you. And I think, you know, to me, it's exciting growth as a person, right? It's like, you don't want to do the same thing. You don't want to be unagent years from now. You want to move up, yeah. you know, move up, so to speak. That's right. And, and it's exciting to see like, like Johnny, you know, we, we were in our meetings, we're like, okay, what was first, what was a personal milestone over the, you know, last uh, uh, week or whatever. And, you know, he said it was great. We had our, 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 our team meeting on Tuesday. We had like almost 50 agents in the room and, uh, and he, he was like, you know, a milestone for me was like, I was this is the first time we had a big meeting where I wasn't sitting in the room as an agent, you know? So, so, and then celebrating those, those milestones too. And that's another thing when it comes to retainment is that you, you need to recognize your people, recognize them often and recognize them, you know, whenever an opportunity presents itself. And it doesn't, it isn't just about sales, you know, like we're, we're, we're looking at who's helpful, who's done something great in their life, who's done something charitable, you know, um, people want to be recognized. And so, you know, that's a big focus on my part, uh, is that making sure that they are recognized. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's huge. And that, I think that that's across the board, right? I think even at big corporations or even small corporations, a lot of that, uh, slips through the cracks, especially now in this mobile social era where everything's, you know, on demand, short attention span. Um, you guys collectively have, as a company though, have, I mean, you guys have best workplace in Austin or best, one of the best places to work in Austin. You guys tell me a little bit about some of your accolades real quick. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> we've, uh, done three years in a row at, uh, the Austin business journal, best places to work. Uh, last year we, I mean, we, we won, I think, top three or top, we've we, we placed in the top five all three years in our category. And we've also moved up in category. We're at, uh, I think, micro company. Now we're at small company and the other two are medium and large, right? Uh, so it's based off of, you know, 50 companies. Then And so we would buy, you know, I think the first year we won three, second year we won number five, last year number three. Last year we won um, the Austin business journal fast 50, which is another one that's not based on real estate. We were number seven in terms of growth, which I thought was really good. I thought that was a good compliment to the uh, best places of work, because not only do we have happy people, we've got productive people. So yeah, that that's killer. And, and I know too, just from knowing you that that also is something you guys celebrate together. It's not like you go and you are like, Hey, I, I get the award. I'm the guy. It's like the whole team is there. Yeah, the whole team is there, and we try to bring as many people as as possible to these events. And um, you know, it's a group thing, and that's another thing. You know, as a as a leader and as a as someone that has some has had some success, varying degrees of it. Um, you know, you got to check your ego at the door. Uh, I mean, it's, it's natural for someone like me to have an ego. I have an ego. I did no no doubt about it. But you know, you, you got to give. You got to give credit to the people that got you there, and and people don't want to hear the 
you know, all about me channel. You know, they 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 want to know that they're being recognized and they're part of something bigger than just the the leader of the one leader of the company. Uh, I was actually I'm, I'm I'm being I'm obsessing about good to great right now. Uh, and and that was one of the things that they they said about the good companies versus the great companies is that the good companies all had these CEOs who were just very they were great at what they did, but as soon as they left. They they didn't do real well. Where the great companies are ones that really, you know, were a little bit modest and probably even more modest than I am about stuff. So, yeah, well, that's that's great, and that is that is a good reference point. It's funny. I should go back and read that book. It's sitting sitting right there in my bookcase, actually. But uh, there's a lot a lot of good lessons there, um, for sure. So let's talk a little bit about, and I think we we talked about it some, but I want to be even more specific. Let's talk a little bit about that growth without giving up quality though, because that's really a challenge, right? Like the more people you have or the more this, the more it has to be super systematized. And how do you keep it from just being like, oh, just fill out this form. Like, we're not going to talk to you. Like, how, how do you, how do you scale still being, yeah. uh, being a good company? Yeah. So we have two different um, buckets in which we choose, you know, which, which are our ideal candidates for agents, right? Veteran agents that do five million or more, right? Um, and then we have agents that uh, I've identified as this is perfect for us. Is they've been in a business for you know three to four years tops, and they've done one to three million. Okay, um, and and not that you can't make a bad move there, but you know the set. This is I think it's the stat that seventy three percent of uh, all agents, you know, terminate their license within five years. So they've already crossed that bridge. I mean, more likely they've, 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 uh, they've overcome and, and become an agent having picked the wrong place. Right. So focusing on that. Um, and then again, staying in your lane. I mean, you know, like, like I said, I mean, we're just not that great at brand new agents. Now I have, I have a, a new agent coming on board pretty soon. And, uh, you know, but we also we use Culture Index, which is a uh, it's kind of like a Myers Briggs personality test, and um, you know you got to be careful with that. We use that for the newer agents. We don't use that for veteran agents because there's 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 tons of different personalities, and the fact of the matter is, any personality type can be an agent. Okay. But what we've identified is if they're a newer agent within the last, you know, three years or whatever, is we can tell the types of agents that aren't going to be coachable to us. So it's more of as a process of, of elimination, you know, and then uh, along the, the same same regard is making sure that you know how to hold people, how to get themselves to hold themselves accountable. Right. right? The language right. you tell them. Right. The language, you know. Agents and, and people in general are motivated by self-discovery. They want to, if you can get them to discover what they want and what they need by asking the right questions, rather than telling them, it's going to have a more imp profound impact on how they're going to perform. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's so funny. I don't understand why people who are focused on uh, adding agents and growing agents don't realize how comparable it is to like the agent consumer relationship, right? You have to nurture people, you have to get to their motivation. I mean, it's, it's shockingly similar. I don't know why. Well, it's, it's, 
Yeah, I think, you know, it, it, part of it's ego, right? Um, and, you know, we all suffer from this, but like, you know, having 150 agents sounds a lot better than having 75 <laughs> agents. Right. I mean, quite frankly, but when you look at, at the stress it has on your culture, the stress it has on your leadership, the distractions on it, it's, it's again, it's having the right people. Um, and so, you know, we've defined, you know, we used to have this mission statement and, and core values that we made up five years ago. I can't even remember what it is, right? It was this huge statement of stuff that, that you write down, you think about it, and, it, you know, you don't even know what it is. We've, we've dug deep into that and made it really simple. Like, you know, your, our mission statement is we make good agents great, period, right? Uh, and so when you look at the core values of it, these are non-negotiable, right? A, our agents take action. B, they're all in. Um, you know, uh, uh, they're, they're, they're motivated, right? Um, and then finally, the last one is they do the right thing, okay? So if we look at those four core values, which is not a big, huge list, that should make things simple because if they're if they don't take action and they don't do the right thing and if they're not all in, then you know you can you can identify that in an interview in, in, in five minutes. Right, right, yeah, for sure. I think that's part of the problem too. People don't define what they're trying to do or what they're looking for, and then of course, of course, you don't know when you find it. Yeah, and it's a process. I mean, literally, it's it's, it's it takes a while for a company. To figure this stuff out, and I'm, I'm sure you know. Look, uh, three years from now, we're having the same conversation. I'm going to tell you a whole bunch of other stuff right. that we we thought we knew we didn't. You right? Know? Yeah. I mean, there's a fine line, right? You got to have a plan, but you got to be able to iterate on it. So, like, you know, it's uh, you got to do and refine. Yeah. Yeah. And and then also, you know, another thing is 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 you know, not in addition to getting the right people on your bus, is getting the right you know the right consultations for people. I've been working with you for years. You know, uh, I've been uh, coaching with John Sheplak uh, for four years. Uh, my my business counselor, I mean, you know, my uh, the guy that's helping us with the EOS stuff, like that type of stuff. You, no one can do it on your own. Right. Or, or you they can, shouldn't. but it may take you 10 years where somebody can yes. shorten that curve. Yes, exactly. And having a community of people. I mean, you know, me and you, met in a, uh, a a conference, you know, six years ago, right? And and so, you know, having uh, people to reach out to and, and help, and, and I, I try to do the same thing for other people too, you know, have Zoom with people, you know, um, you don't have to reinvent the wheel if you've got the right connections. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Just having that, having that tool belt. And the great thing now about, I think, this day and age is that it's easy to go across market, right? Like you're, you're, you're masterminding with people all across the country, not necessarily the guy who's recruiting, you know, from the same pool as you. Absolutely. In fact, that, look, I'm, I have some of my best friends are my competitors and we go out, you know, on a happy hour three or four times a year, but look, we're not sharing everything, right. you know, we share a lot, but not everything. Right. For sure. You know, you don't have that problem when you, when you're, 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 you know, if I'm in Austin and I'm, you know, masterminding with somebody in, in Miami that we don't care. Right. You know? Absolutely. Well, let, let's talk a little bit. I, I want to dig into your day to day in a minute, but I want to talk a little bit specifically about recruiting, whether it's just your philosophy or, or your process. But like, how do you, you know, with the role you're in now, with the crazy growth you're having, like what does your recruiting process look like at a high level? Yeah, well, <laughs> 
you know, one thing going with, with uh, you know, having been with, with coaching with Chef Black is he drills that in your head is you've always got to be recruiting always, you know, even if you're, you're, you're you have, you know, hold people to standards, you know, inevitably people will leave, people die, they get married and move, they get, you know, their, their spouse gets a great job across the country. Right. And, and so, you know, the, the philosophy is that someone in your firm needs to own that and be in charge of it and it needs to be very focused so what i do it on you know kind of a high level is i i right now i have about 1500 people in my uh crm follow boss that that we have segmented into various uh groups um and then i have a starred list okay and that list is anywhere from 30 on the low side to no more than 75 on the high side. That's 75 contacts. 75 is way too much. I just brought it down. It's at 53 right now. Look at it this morning. Uh, on Monday, it was at like 67. And, and the reason I, it has to be low is because I need to put eyes on those people twice a week. Okay. Now that, that doesn't mean I need to call, text, email them twice a week. You just need to look at them and make sure there's not some kind of atom of value, some reason to contact them. Maybe you need to get back to them on something. You have to stay organized with this stuff. So, and then I have a secondary list of B starred. These are people that have, so the A starred for some, whatever reason, they have an interest in coming over. They've showed some kind of sign of interest. The B starred has showed a little milder uh, 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 level of interest. So uh, I'm putting my um, I'm putting my eyes on them once a month, okay. And, and a lot of them I'll just you know skip through because I, there's no reason to, right? And then I've got the whole 1500 list. So what I do is I you know record podcasts, Realty Hack, if you're looking, and um, we do agent training, and I put snippets on of of that into a newsletter, and I try to do that every week. Doesn't always happen. But uh, and I send that out to the entire list. And then I also have uh, an Instagram account. Again, it's Realty Hack, all one word. And uh, I put smaller snippets. I'm, I'm, it's kind of like an influencer account. I hate to say that word because, you know, I'm not like an influencer. I've got like 4,000 followers. But it's all, you know, advice, tips, uh, you know, items of value for agents that, you uh, that you know may be seeking that type of stuff. And it is very, very little personal stuff on there. So I'm creating this, this kind of uh, uh, ecosystem of putting information out there and people absorbing it. And when I send a newsletter through Follow Up Boss, of course, I go through and look and see who'd open what, and that's how I might put someone on a starred list of a conversation with them about that. I mean, and, and so after doing that for years, it's starting to, to, to come around. And I think you and I talked before this is like, you know, now that I'm at 72 agents and I've got literally four more coming in the next three weeks, you know, it gets easier. And people see that, you know, we, we, we may kind of make a big deal when someone comes on, we put them on Facebook, we put a retargeting campaign that goes out to all the agents. And, and you have more of a buzz. So people are starting to come to me, <clears throat> mostly people that are, uh, that, that I've already contacted before, you know? And, and, and so that part of it has become 
just, it's been, you know, it's a whole lot of work to do that. And that's why I say you need to have somebody in your organization that that's their main focus. And that's, that's what I do. That's my day is making sure that I'm following up with agents and putting out content and just all this stuff. But as your brand grows and as people start seeing all the different agents that are achieving so much within your company, recruiting gets easier and easier. For sure. And that's something too, you guys celebrate that very well on social. I mean, I see, you know, agent so-and-so hit this production level or so-and-so just hit their one year with us, like, or, or they just joined, like you guys do a really, really good job of that. But yeah, there's no question that not only is that great for the agent and the existing agents there, but there's always somebody noticing that, you know? Yeah, right. Because guess what? If you're going to put someone, you know, like, like, you know, when people hit certain milestones, we got one agent just hit 25 million, right? And, and they're watching, you know, these agents that have come, you know, from other brokerages, you know, and they're doing better at my company year over year, sometimes three and four times what they did the year before, and you tag them in it. Guess what? Guess what a lot of their friends do for a living? Right. Sell real estate in your, in your market. Right. Right. Absolutely. And, but I think the other mistake I see people make all the time, too, is they think recruiting is like, oh, I'm going to go to this event, meet these people. Oh, I'm going to email this guy or I'm going to call, you know, this lady. And again, just like the consumer thing, it's 15 to 20 to 30 touches sometimes before Absolutely. somebody even pays attention, you know. And it's less about sales and more about service. So when I have an agent come in that that is interviewing me and I'm interviewing them, I don't start, you know, you don't want to start feature dumping on them, right? Is I literally, you know, sit there and talk about their business and then coach them as if they were a top producing agent in my company. That's the, that's like half of the meeting. And then I will show them some things that we do that will help them do their job easier. Yeah, I, I love that. I think that's that's really where it's at. I think that speaks to you know why you're at where you are agent count wise and and why your trajectory is what it is. So let's talk a little bit more about your day to day. I mean, we talked obviously a chunk of its recruiting, obviously some of its leadership meetings, but like just give us a snapshot of like your your average week, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I wake up, you know, seven o'clock in the morning. Uh, you know. Sit at my sit in bed with my computer for thirty to forty five minutes. Um, you know, try to get a workout in uh, if I don't have a trainer, and then go to when I get into the office. I'm usually at the office nine thirty or ten o'clock. Um, I think that I right now I'm averaging about three to five one hour interviews a week. Okay, and in between that time, um, my goal on a bad day is to make five calls per day, okay? On a good day, I'm looking at 15 calls. And these aren't, you know, most of them aren't cold calls, right? If, you know, if I've, if, if, if I've got an agent, you know, I've got several agents, we've got the agents on my list that um, that I talk to, you know, three, four, five times a year, right? And I'm just, and I'm not, it's not about, you know, them coming over, it's just being there for when the right time happens. There's one one girl we, we recruited earlier this year that I've literally been, she's been on my recruitment list for four years. I met with her three times, okay? And so she came over. And so, you know, having that servitude 
uh, mental state and mindset is, is a big part of it. So again, you know, and in between that, we've got uh, a, a leadership meeting. It's an hour and a half once a week. Um, usually these days, thank God, I'm, I'm, I'm out the door by five and, you know, don't work weekends. And then dealing with the little crisis stuff in, in between, you know, there's always, I, mean, I have, normally I get one attorney call a month, which is like, uh, another agent, the outside agents, attorneys you know, threatening us. Right now, I'm dealing with four calls at a time. One of them, I got two attorneys that oh, a wife and a husband that they won't even talk to each other. That's pretty rare, but I can see as it, as things get going more and more, that's going to take up more of my time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. And, and um, yeah, I mean, that's part of the the glory of owning a business, right? I tell people all the time, I'm like, technically, they're all your, if it's your company, they're technically all your problems, right? <laughs> they are. On some level. They are. But I will tell you is that, that you know, Sonny uh, has been really good about saying, you know what, Ryan doesn't need to deal with this. You know, they want to keep me in my lane. And um, and even if I, if, even if I don't realize it, they're like, oh, you know, right, this is not, we'll, we'll handle this offline. Right. Totally. You know? Totally. Yeah. And I'd be curious if you're comfortable sharing, like what, what is the best version of Spyglass? Is it, is it more offices? Is it a certain agent count? Like what's the, you know, the near term look like? Yeah. So, you know, um, we just opened another office last week up North, uh, a small office. Uh, you know, we have 3,200 square feet in South Austin. I think we have like 1,500 square feet up North. Nice. We say up North, that's North Austin, right? North Austin. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, more than half my agents or at least half my agents are in, you know, uh, the northern part of right. Austin. Right? And those Rock, are heavy suburbs. Obviously, there's a lot of a lot of people. Right. There. Yeah. Um, and I think the goal for the for 2022 uh, is, is not a lofty goal, but I think we're, we're I think we're probably going to double in size by the time at the end of next year. The, the goal the goal is is one agent per week until 2022. So was it 52 plus, but now, now we might do better than that. But again, I go back to, that's not my focus. Okay. That's a goal of mine, but my focus is to make each one of those agents more productive. At the end of the year, at the end of the day, our, our big, hairy, audacious goal is to have the number one brokerage, not in terms of how many people we have, but in terms of per agent productivity. We want people to say Spyglass Realty at 72 agents, Spyglass Realty at 150 agents, Spyglass Realty at 300 agents, but I can't even imagine that. They, what, they, what they do is their agents are more productive per agent than any other brokerage in town. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you guys are well on your way. It's been a great to uh, to see your journey and, and see where you guys are now. And I think you're definitely a critical mass. I mean, you're definitely... Uh, you're, you're rolling the boulder down the hill, I think now. So Well, I appreciate that. And you've been a huge part of that for years. So, you know, uh, kudos to you for all your support and training and everything that you do. Thank you. I appreciate that. So Realty Hack is really? podcast, uh, Instagram and Facebook page, I believe, right? And Facebook page. Yeah. You can just go to Instagram, put uh, Realty Hack, all one word. Uh, we're working on our SEO for the podcast. I've had, a, we've got a great season of podcasts. I've had the owners of Ylopo, REW, Follow-Up Boss, and then some great agents, Anthony Lamacchia. Uh, this has been my favorite, I call it a season, uh, 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 because we, you know, it, took me, it takes 
three years to get your shit together when you're uh, <laughs> you're doing doing your podcast. Un- so. un- understood. But no, that's killer. So definitely subscribe to that podcast as well. People can find you, Ryan Rodenbeck or Spyglass Realty. Um, but yeah, definitely connect with Ryan, however appropriate. And uh, yeah, man, thank you for taking the time. And it's, it's always great talking to you. Awesome, Lee. Thank you as well. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy listening to Powering Real Estate, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. Subscribes and reviews help other people find us and allow us to keep interviewing top industry experts. If you're looking for a customized solution for your follow-up boss account or wanting a free assessment of your account, visit AmplifiedSolutions.com. There you can also find free resources and link with us. 